I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's gorgeous episode, I got to have somebody I consider a friend and uh, also happens to be absolute legend in the strength and conditioning world, Mr. Paul Check. Uh, Paul runs the Czech Institute in Southern California. He's got teachers all around the world. He has been, he's worked with the Bulls, he's worked with the Marines, he's been featured in every freaking magazine. Uh, really amazing guy, beautiful life story, and uh, tremendous conversation here. We get into all of these ties and connections of the this mind-body experience that we all happen to be occupying, and uh, really good conversation. Hope you guys get a lot out of it. I'm going to give you a little clip here. So what happens is anytime an organ is inflamed or an organ is ill or an organ can't repair itself, the autonomic nervous system will downregulate blood flow to muscles competing on the same arteriovascular plexus to make sure there's adequate blood supply to support the gland and organ on that channel. Thank you so much for tuning into the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. If you feel called to that URL, you will find the show notes and you can start the five-day movement challenge where you learn how to integrate optimal movement into everything that you're doing. Basic fundamentals that we gather from weightlifting or dance or martial arts, they can be applied to every aspect of your daily living. And we break down how to do that on that five-day movement challenge, lightherapy.com. Bam. Um, Thank you guys so much for reviews on the iTunes. If you leave us a review and reread it, I'm pulling one up on my phone right now. Uh, last review we got, we'll send you out a box of something from Organifi. It's a delicious protein superfood supplement. Um, also, if you type a line code, A-L-I-G-N, when you're buying your Organifi stuff, you get 20% off, no big deal. All right, S- this review coming from uh, 503DJ. Incredible information for everyone! Exclamation point! Five stars. Line podcast is absolute gold, and Aaron Alexander is truly a modern day guru treasure trove of information. I should have bleeped out that guru word. I should have some beautiful, sultry voiced female reading these reviews. That would be a more humble way to go. Uh, thanks so much for that. Five zero three DJ. Send us a message at Align Podcast on Instagram, and we will send you out some stuff from Organifi. I am heading out to Sedona, Arizona here tomorrow. Meet up with uh, some some of the folks from the On It reality, and we'll probably hopefully shoot some some fun content while we're out there, do some videos and maybe record a podcast or something. So stay tuned for that. Um, thank you guys so much for supporting us. We're putting a video out almost every day, a how-to video for the Align Band and uh, breaking down how to mobilize your joints, how to integrate that body, and uh, how to keep your keep yourself moving sexy and smooth. All right, this is getting way too long and weird. Back to the show, Mr. Paul Check. Align Podcast. All right, I'm going to give a little clap. Welcome to the Line Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks so much for making this happen, man. I feel like I'm in uh, the future manifestation of of, uh, 
I'd be completely content if this is where I was at. It's I am. Age whatever. Doesn't matter what age. Might as well be content with me. <laughs> Should we hit this guy before yeah, getting in away. here? Can we talk a little bit about what this is? Yeah, that's a mix of uh, some really nice clean tobacco with uh, a tea called Happy. I, I vaporize teas. You can vaporize almost any tea, just like any, because they're herbs, right? Yeah. So usually the experience that the tea will give you, for example, if you drink bedtime tea and it'll make you sleepy, if you vaporize it, it'll make you sleepy. So this happy tea is a uplifting tea and and uh, we're vaporizing tobacco happy uplifting tea and a little bit of a shamanic blend called vision which I find um nice and clearing for the head and I've got uh 3 drops of cognus which is a Australian bush flower essence that helps for cognitive function mm. since we're going to be talking and I have to excuse me get think. in there I have to think. Yeah, right. Um, so we just did a little tour of your absolutely stunning Let's kill that place. Yeah, kill cold. it. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm all right. Uh, stunning place here. And, and some of the things is I, I get to see this really beautiful evolution of you focusing what seems to be like more like scientific, structural engineering, build the vessel background mm -hmm. into evolving into the other portion, the, the, the spirit the kinda, that fills the vessel, you could, you could say, if you want to put language to it? Yeah, it looks like that. Um, <laughs> I was raised by a yogi mother. Um, starting, My mother became a member of Self-Realization Fellowship at age 12, and we did uh, our weekend temple meetings and spent time in meditation and all the yogic practices with the monks. When I was 15, I went to summer camp and spent... Uh, a lot of time at summer camp learning from the monks and have been on a spiritual quest my whole life and you know you're surrounded by thousands of books on everything to do with spirituality so it's always been part of my system and my advanced students even in the very beginning were taught metaphysical principles but it's as I've grown the teachings and grown a body of students that can digest these concepts earlier in the system. Now I introduced the concepts in the very beginning where years ago I didn't do that because it was, uh, you know, at that back then I was drawing too many uh, meatheads and uh, hardcore Christians and people that uh, just couldn't connect to metaphysical principles. They, they were only interested in making their muscles bigger and being a badass and anything else was just made them go numb. So... I found that I had to meter it in, and then as I uh, sort of grew a following that was more aligned with my, with the depth of my philosophy, now the students come in and they're just ready for it right off the bat. In fact, a lot of them come just for that yeah. reason. So it kind of flipped in mm. the... I started the Institute in 95, so this is, uh, what, 2018? It's been a long time, but probably about halfway through a transition started to happen and the students that were coming were much more aligned with my philosophy. Yeah. And uh, a lot of that is because when I was, when I take people through advanced training programs, I use my skills as a therapist and, and, uh, and my other skills, voyances to help people identify where what's blocking them from reaching their potential as a therapist or a human being or a coach or a trainer. So some of them would, you know, find out where Paul 
pointed out where they're stuck and uh, many of them didn't want to focus on those aspects of their life so it caused a backlash but then it, they would go out and tell people and some people would react by saying oh wow I'd really love that kind of experience myself so it sort of started turning over where people started coming specifically because they wanted to grow spiritually and they wanted to remove their blockages instead of denying them or pretending that they weren't there and um it it really worked out beautifully because now my students are really in line with the core philosophy and uh it's much more fun to teach could you define spiritual blockage well spirituality really by definition means connection to that which is larger than yourself the greater whole so I'm using the term fairly loosely and stereotypically, but when I'm using that term spiritual blockage, as I just use it, it means any obstruction to the flow of expressing your own potential, hmm. your full potential, to be a whole human being. In other words, uh, you know, to get rid of judgmental biases, to heal uh, developmental wounds, uh, you know, mommy daddy problems uh, god challenges or you know what i call faulty god models things that are uh, pitting you against other people or disempowering you because one of the key things that's critical in my system is that i don't want people to engage people with limited viewpoints for example i've had uh, students that were hardcore traditional christians but they would start proselytizing people while they were working on them hmm. and reading them Bible passages and trying to tell people that if they don't take Jesus as their savior, they're not going to heal or they're not, or they're going to go to hell or those kinds of things. And to me, that's a spiritual blockage because it stops you from connecting to other people. So I, I developed my system so that it is basically non-denominational, but works on principles of conscious evolution as opposed to um, an ethnocentric religion, which is any uh, philosophy that uh, divides itself from another philosophy and therefore there's uh, my approach versus your approach or uh, my God versus your God. So I basically um, integrate principles of quantum physics and science of consciousness with the basic principles that are shared at the root systems of all uh, religious philosophies, be it Buddhism, Taoism, uh, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, Shinto, Baha'i, whatever. And so I spent a lot of time studying world religion and philosophy and uh, all things related psychology, uh, depth psychology, um, and the mystical branches of each of the religions so I could get more to the depth of the real potential for the religions. You, you know, you have the, the more traditional approaches which are based on dogmas or, um, you know, rules. And then you have the, the uh, metaphysical branches. For example, the metaphysical arm of Islam is Sufism, and Sufism's just stunningly beautiful. And then 
mystical Christianity is there's a variety of sects of it, but uh, you know you got the White Brotherhood or the Rosicrucians, and you've got um, people like Father Thomas Keating, who I think are just an absolute uh, blessing to modern Christianity, and is very in line with Ken Wilber's philosophies and teachings and evolution of consciousness and not excluding other people. And then you've got people like Matthew Fox, who's just a mind-blowingly powerful. Uh, he was excommunicated by the church because he embraced other philosophies, such as Buddhism and and things like that. But he he's a, just a mind blowing teacher. Um, and I studied a lot of other people. But so really, what I mean when I say spiritual blockage, I mean anything that's really getting in the way of you um, fully reaching your potential as a human being and realizing your connection to the world, to the universe, and yeah. to source. Yeah, I we had beforehand before recording we were we were talking a little bit about some of the effects of some of the more potent uh plant medicines out there. The one specifically that I was referring to was was 5MEO mm-hmm. um DMT. Yeah. And one of the things that could be witnessed in experience with that that I I had personally experienced was this sensation of working from inside to the outside as opposed to working from the outside to the inside. Yeah. And so, you know, so I had shoulder stuff and spinal stuff and just heaps of emotional stuff. And I think Mm -hmm. it's all just bound up into the same braid of stuff. Mm -hmm. And some of those experiences that you kind of, uh, you know, say in, in like one of those ceremonies, um, a sensation of, of starting to speak from that inside as opposed to like rotator cuff, meter rotation, external rotation, subscap, all that. Yeah. Something can happen when you get out of the way of yourself where all of a sudden your body can kind of unbind some pieces that you didn't even know were in the way. Yeah. I think I'm describing that incredibly poorly. No, no, you're, you're, you, these are the kinds of things I'm referring to. Yeah. But you take, for example, the right shoulder is neurologically both directly and indirectly connected to the liver. The liver is the home of the negative emotion of anger. So it's very, very common for athletes to have chronic right shoulder problems if their livers need detoxification or if they're holding on to too much anger that they haven't processed. Hmm. And the first place we have to go is with our parental upbringing because our parents are the ones that program us and our way of relating to the world, whether we're conscious of it or not, is really largely uh, what we were conditioned to. So the there's just a simple example. In my system, I show how each of the organs and glands connects to which parts of the musculoskeletal system. So practitioners learn how to work from the inside out. For example, we do a health appraisal questionnaire that looks at 29 body systems. So some, you know, one of the most common things you see is adrenal fatigue. Well, adrenal is part of the kidney system. The kidney system is the home of where you cultivate life force energy. It's really like the battery system of the body, and it's very, very intimately connected with the fluids of the body, which is a second chakra system, which is connected to the emotional capacity of consciousness. And if someone's got burned out kidneys, it reflexes to the hip flexors and the low back. So what happens is anytime an organ is inflamed, or an organ is ill, or an organ can't repair itself, the autonomic nervous system will down-regulate blood flow to muscles competing on the same arteriovascular plexus to make sure there's adequate blood supply to support the gland and organ on that channel. So you see a lot of athletes, for example, having chronic musculoskeletal problems, soft tissue dysfunction, trigger points, fascial binding, 
and asynchronous movement because, for example, if you're bench pressing and your liver's shutting your right shoulder down, <laughs> you'll see guys in the gym and the left side of the bar is rising faster than the right and you can hear the plates clanking because they're already reaching peak synchronization of motor units because there's so many trigger points. And after a few reps, the body can't get blood in there because the liver's withholding the blood due to the autonomic changes in blood flow, which was identified all the way back in 1908 by Byron Robinson, MD. So people will treat shoulders like that and get thousands of soft tissue sessions, but very few people realize that the connection is to the liver. Then when we find the liver issues and I do my evaluations and identify issues of anger, then we have to look at the issues that are triggering the anger. <laughs> and the programming around the anger, and that's, you know, deals with relationships to self and other, and that often relates to a person's belief system, because beliefs are always behind behaviors, and behaviors are the choices we're making, and unfortunately, most of the choices people make are unconscious, and this is why Arnold Patton says in his Universal Principles, if something's happening in your life and you don't think you wanted it, look carefully at what you're choosing unconsciously. <laughs> So people eat unconsciously. They're basically all diet and lifestyle factors and cognitive factors are largely unconscious. The ego is only about 5% of our conscious flow. And the unconscious mind, according to people like Bruce Lipton, is about 4 million times more powerful than the conscious mind. Yeah. And so my practitioners are trained to read the body like a book. And they know what on the inside connects to what's on the outside. And that's a two-way street. A shoulder injury can stress the liver, which can then lead to negative emotional expression from the liver because it's sharing a sympathetic resonance with the injured shoulder, which then can lead to behavioral and relationship problems. So we always look at both sides of the coin and then we look at the belief systems and we look into the archetypes that are driving the psyche at the, at the level of the collective, collective unconscious because it's part of our mental structure and our emotional structure. So by analyzing the developmental archetypes such as the Imago Dei, the mother, the father, the child, and then Carolyn Mice's survival archetypes, the prostitute, the saboteur, the victim, and the child, um, which is, correlates to the what I call the core archetypes, Imago Dei, father, mother, child, we can identify where the blockages are due to relationship challenges, developmental challenges, things like uh, being abandoned, one parent leaving, someone dying in the family, uh, drug addiction by a parent or drug addiction in the family, physical abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse. And that sets up a field of unconscious beliefs and behaviors that drive the conscious beliefs and behaviors, which by the way are very, very much involved in the way people engage or don't engage exercise, food, rest, or happiness. Hmm. For someone that doesn't have the, the background like, like you or a Trek practitioner that doesn't have access to that type of, that type of education, is there some roundabout ways to stumble into these conversations and you know dance or some type of sexuality or s reading or singing well when you say stumble into these conversations i'm not really sure what you're healing healing those those wounds to to, to actually regain structural competence right yeah. online yourself yes a good question and i'll give you what i think probably a good good answer <laughs> um, i would imagine of course it's my own opinion but uh, <laughs> it's just the two of us so yeah no it's good um <laughs> 
<laughs> me, you, and the world. Um, well, look, uh, I'll tell you a little story. A person's myth is their inner story. But a myth is really a guiding structure. And it's your conscious and unconscious beliefs about who you are, what your relationship to the universe is, what your relationship to the world is, what your proprietary, what your proprietary uh, rights and improprietaries are. In other words, what is fair and unfair for me to do? How do I behave? What's just and unjust? And it's a structure of story that teaches you how to uh, transition through the stages of life from birth to adolescence to adulthood to um, death uh, and, and also relates to transitional challenges such as loss of loved ones, loss of family members, loss of jobs, um, any kind of challenge. Those are transitional states. So our, our culture doesn't have a functional myth anymore. And Joseph Campbell, Carl Jung, and many others show that whenever a culture loses its myth, it's on a path of destruction. Yeah. So how that relates to the answer to your question is this. We all have a myth, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And if you're not conscious of your myth, you can be guaranteed you're living out your parents' myth and you're also living out your culture's myth. And each myth produces what's technically called a counter-myth. So, for example, we, we began talking about some of my experiences with hardcore har uh, religious programming and how some of my Christian students would use uh, the opportunity to interact with patients to proselytize them into their religion. And that would often meet with resistance, and people would find that off-putting, and their teacher would also tell them that you're now limiting the number of people that you can access to help in the world. And if you believe in Jesus, then Jesus was a man that was here to support the world, not just one group of people. And his teachings are universal. So when you're using a mythological structure that isn't coherent with other people's mythological structure, you're going to meet resistance. And that's what is a counter myth. So for example, if a person doesn't believe in gluten intolerance. That's part of their story. But when they come to me as an elite athlete, for example, and they've got chronic low back pain, shoulder pain, and their performance is dropping down and they can't train like they used to train, and I show them that they have an immune reaction to gluten, which is inflaming their organs, which is reflexively shutting off their core stabilizers, which basically means that they can no longer stabilize their arms and legs, and therefore, they keep getting these chronic injuries because their system is disintegrated. Many of them will not take gluten out of their diet because not realizing they're addicted to it. And they often don't want to believe, even though hard science validates that. So they will keep doing it even when the coach or the therapist suggests that they don't do it. So that causes more and more problems. So the counter myth basically keeps building pressure until it grounds you. Mm. And then you come face up against yourself. Now you get to the point where you've had eight different doctors and therapists tell you you're gluten intolerant and you can't deny that they've must have something. There must be some congruency here. So then finally the person 
takes gluten out of their diet, <laughs> everything turns back on. Yeah. Their soft tissues change, their joint function change, their movement functions change, and they go, oh, shit, I wish I wish I would have listened to the first therapist that told me that four years ago. I would might not have ruined my career. So you see, the point I'm making is a person's countermyth will keep producing resistance, and the resistance will continue to grow until it puts you in the hands of somebody who you have to be in their hands or you're not going to function or you might even die. Mm. And so generally spirit will guide you to the best of its ability because the ego gets to stay in conscious control. Nobody has to listen to God. Nobody has to listen to soul. Nobody has to listen to wise counsel. That's the ego's prerogative. So depending on the soul path of the individual and the mindset of the individual and the joys of the individual, one may find that they love ecstatic dance, but all of a sudden their back's chronically bothering them. And so you take the same person I was just talking about, they're much more likely to believe somebody that's a great dance teacher. So inevitably they're gonna run into an older, wiser dance teacher who's also been through this in their own life, who right. immediately recognizes the problem and says, I'm watching you move on the dance floor and I can see that you're not moving the regions of your spine that correlate to the first, second, and third chakras very effectively. Mm -hmm. And I can see that your abdominal wall is distended and that you've got inflammation. And I love to dance too and I used to look just like you and I had to get gluten out of my diet and make some changes and balance my rest with my exercise. And I'm now doing as good as I ever did in my whole life and so all of a sudden they're listening where they may not have listened to the doctor, they may not have listened to their strength coach, they may not have listened to their psychologist, they may not have listened to the nurse, they may not have listened to their friends. But because they have an archetypal alignment with the dance instructor, a harmony, a deep harmony, and, yeah. a, and a deep interest in that path, those words carry more meaning. So spirit leaves uh, crumb trails in every direction. It's just which direction does an individual have to go in uh, to open their ears and their heart and realize that the universe and the world is guiding them until they get, unfortunately, most people have to get into a crisis before they start listening deep, more deeply. Hmm. Uh, there's a Rupert Sheldrake. You yes, familiar with that guy? Yes, very, very familiar with Sheldrake. I love Rupert Sheldrake. He's a cool guy. Mm. Um, he talks about morphic resonance and I like the idea that we're all kind of swimming around in this like morphological conscious soup, you know, so yeah. we all share each other's experience, yes, everything yeah. that I hate inside of whatever Hitler I share inside of myself Absolutely, or I wouldn't be able yeah. to recognize it. That's also called the collective unconscious. Collective, There's a difference yeah. between a morphic field and yeah, a I just, collective I just, unconscious. I just, I, just, I just made that up. That's okay. A, mor a morphic field. <laughs> like most things that I say. That's okay. A, mor a morphic <laughs> field is an information field. So for example, when you look at uh, research, for example, they've taken crows and they will have a batch of crows and they will bring a scare, a, 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 a mannequin like a scarecrow and they'll beat it and make loud noises and scare the hell out of the crows. And they will expose the crows to this repeatedly and agitate them and stress them. Then when those crows hatch their eggs and have chicks, they will pull the mannequin out, not do that at all. So the babies are not exposed to the mannequin at all. Yeah. And then when those babies become adults, they reintroduce 
the scarecrow, and they get identical physiological reactions. Yeah, and there's many, many such experiments like this. So what Sheldrake showed is that the animals are tapping into a morphic field of resonance that's carrying the knowledge, wisdom, and experience that is passed into the other ones through the genes. But most people think of it, these things, as though they're genetic transfer. The genes are really just antennas that tap into the morphic field. So you have information about growth and development that works through a morphic field, but you also have group souls, and then you have the collective unconscious. So if you think of it, a morphic field is, you know, for example, the morphic field of a crow is not passing information into you, but the soul field of human beings is passing information into you. Mm. And the collective unconscious is really the reservoir of all human experiences and also contains the experiences of all living creatures on the planet. So it's a very, very large uh, umbrella, so to speak. But within the collective unconscious is the personal unconscious. So think of the collective unconscious like a very, very large body of water. Think of the personal unconscious like the ripples that happen when you drop one rock in. If I drop a rock in next to you, our ripples are gonna cross over. Hmm. But in actual fact, you can't drop a rock in any body of water, no matter how big it is, without causing an effect through the entire body of water. In other words, you can't drop a pebble into a swimming pool without moving every molecule of water in the swimming pool. That's just scientific fact. Including our thoughts. Your, your thoughts are ripples on the pond. Yeah. So we're all connected to each other and the ego soul complex creates a perceptual boundary, but it's not an actual boundary. And the more spiritually evolved a person gets, the more um, translucent the boundaries become within themselves and in their relationship to other people as well. This is why uh, you know, someone that's truly spiritually evolved often knows more about you than you do. Hmm. They'll be able to look into you. They'll know whether you got mommy and daddy problems without even talking about it. They'll know, uh, you know, what kind of diseases you have in your field. In other words, what seeds of disease are brewing in your field from your beliefs and behaviors, even though you don't know they're there. Yeah. And that's what you know. For example, clairvoyance can do that. And uh, so the, these are the the types of things that. Um, it takes a lot of years of practice and commitment to, and the and the the thing that's the 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 number one factor is a person has to empty their own vessel, and that's why there's seven years of training for a Czech professional because it takes a long time to takes four years in my system to master corrective and high performance exercise and all the elements that are necessary for scientifically designing rehabilitation and and high performance exercise program, and then it takes. Uh, a year and a half for most people to do my holistic lifestyle coaching level one, two, and three, which gets very deep into this stuff. And then I have my PPS success mastery program, which takes most people a year and a half to three years. And that's built ba based on the 12 most common obstructions to achieving your dream or living the life you want to live that I kept seeing over and over again in my clients. And then I have my check four quadrant coaching mastery system, which is very deep. And it would probably take most people two years if they actually did the work outlined. So it's a, you know, whenever you're in the, the, the um, caregiver's archetype, it's a very, very evolved archetype because you are very involved in the lives of other people. And so the caregiver can very easily get lost in identifying themselves by what they do for other people 
and become a mechanic and end up becoming as unhealthy and as broken as their patients, which is as common as white bread in the medical system and even allied healthcare system and even in exercise systems and personal training. Um, so the Czech practitioners are, are highly encouraged to be the change and to really do the work on themselves. And it takes a tremendous amount of training. And, and I'm not an easy guy to, you know, I, I hold my instructors to very high standards. So most of the instructors have, well, all of them, you have to not only go through the training to a high level to be an instructor, but you have to do each training program five times under the guidance of a senior instructor or myself and I'm watching them and working with them at a personal level as well to help them identify where more healing is needed so that they don't become, you know, because we broadcast our own deficiencies consciously and unconsciously. So if an instructor, in my system, I teach that love flows from I to we to all. First, you have to learn to love and care for yourself because you can't give to another in any relationship what you haven't given yourself. It's impossible to do. Once we learn how to be healthy in I and we relationships, then we graduate to the level naturally of being concerned for all the people and all the living beings of the world. So in my system, I teach people first master yourself. And as you're healing yourself, you'll see that your relationships are changing because you're 50% of every relationship that you have. So you don't have to worry about whether your wife's changing or your husband's changing or whether your boss's attitude's changing, because as you heal, you realize that these people look, feel, and uh, different, and you experience them differently. But then there's skills that need to be developed as a therapist or a coach, because anytime you're working with people in any kind of a professional or healing relationship, there's, you know, communication skills are necessary, uh, self-management skills are necessary, empathy's necessary, compassion's necessary, uh, the science of change is necessary. Understanding what value structure a person's working out of is necessary. Understanding what level of consciousness they're at in the structure stages of consciousness is necessary uh, so you can guide people effectively. Now, people get by without any of those skills, but they, again, you know, if you hire a mountaineering guide to take you to the top of Mount Rainier, but they've never climbed past halfway up the mountain, well, then you're paying someone to get lost with you once you pass the halfway mark. <laughs> So Czech professionals are trained to be legitimate mountaineering guides metaphorically and to do the work themselves and to see the therapist that they need to see because they go through all the assessments and they're there with skilled instructors that identify these things. And we encourage them to see Rolfers or to see Alexander practitioners or Feldenkrais practitioners or Jungian psychologists or whoever we feel is part of the uh, equation for their own growth and development. And I believe that all of our challenges are actually uh, the gifts that we come in with as souls to bring us into the right people, places, and circumstances to grow the wisdom that we need to grow to fulfill our soul contracts with the people that we've come to work on our evolution with in this lifetime. Mm.
wanted to take a quick break and thank our sponsor, Organifi, for supporting the show. Organifi is a rad company. I utilize their superfood blends on a daily basis. Um, holding in my hands the green juice right now, filled with all the green powders your little heart could desire, from uh, wheatgrass to spirulina to chlorella to matcha. Really excellent stuff. Highly recommend checking them out. They also do protein blends that are vegan, as far as I can see. So the protein they're using in here is pea protein, quinoa protein, and pumpkin seed protein. Everything's organic. Everything's delicious. Highly recommend checking them out. So go Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and utilize the Align code for 20% off. Organifi.com, Align code, A-L-I-G-N, 20% off. Get that stuff. Thank you guys so much for tuning in back to the show. Pow. You mentioned identifying deficiencies in yourself. Is there any that you're consciously working with presently? Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, You know, healing your your childhood programming is is a is always a, a long-term issue you know i've done well well over 400 probably 450 medicine journeys and a lot of healing ceremonies and a lot of deep work on myself what does medicine journey mean uh using a psychedelic medicine of any sort of very any very sort. various sorts well, any, any psychedelic that's used therapeutically would be okay. a, as, but you can do healing ceremonies without them. I mean, I've done many, many without them. And yeah. so there's, you know, that, that's a whole, you know, genre really. Yeah. Um, but for, to, I was going to give you an example. I've, I've had, uh, you know, my brother committed suicide when I was 35. It was deeply painful. And, um, and it uh, took me uh, a couple of years to just get past the point where I would just break out in tears spontaneously. All of a sudden, I would just feel his absence or think of all the times we were together. And, you know, my brother and I fought like hell. And my dad encouraged it, which didn't make it any better. Um, and so I thought I'd healed that. And, oh, you know, I remember I was probably in an ayahuasca journey. And, boy, it just came on so strong and I just was in deep, deep emotional pain and laid there and cried for hours and and I felt much better and I, you know, whenever these things happen, I connect to him in, through my soul, to his soul and, and share my love with him. <laughs> but that's probably happened on five different journeys and sometimes multiple years apart. And the point I'm making is each time I thought I had healed it, I thought, okay, we're we've resolved this now. We we're 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 okay now. We we can move past that. But your psyche will unlock things that um, you're not ready to deal with fully at times in your life when you do have the the not only the energetic resources, but when you've had the life experience to be able to see your own inner challenges from a level of maturity to take it to the next level of healing. Yeah. So you, you can do all the medicine in the world, but 10 years later, find yourself opening Pandora's box on things that you thought were long gone, but you didn't realize you'd only cut the top of the weed off and the root <laughs> goes way deep. So, you know, I still work on... Uh, you know, I have to watch myself carefully because my father was really, my dad died when I was 80, drowned, but my stepfather was, was really quite a brutal man. Mm. Very dangerous, very painful, uh, 
you, you could easily end up in the hospital if you weren't careful. Oh. And um, very violent and um, not a very compassionate man. Uh, and without a lot more description, I would just tell you that the flip side of that is he taught me how to get a job done. He taught me not to make excuses. He taught me to pay attention to detail. Um, he taught me how to be a man. Uh, you know, and a, for me, a man is someone who means what he says and says what he means. Anything else is not a man. That's just a little boy in a man's body. And uh, hmm. the point I'm referring to here is when you ask me what am I working on, I have to be conscious as a teacher and a therapist because it's easier for me to be quite logical and practical and because I was raised with a very high level of expectation that when my dad said, get that done, I'll be back in an hour, it meant if I come back in an hour and the barn's not clean, you're going to get the shit beat out of you. Hmm. So... As a child, not realizing I was being programmed to interact with people this way, and as a guy who was in the 82nd Airborne Division and who's done his share of badass demonstrations his whole life and, you know, been there with the big boys taking his share of pain and moving his share of everything, it can be challenging because a lot of people are very wishy-washy, not very well-directed, and not very well-motivated, but come in a lot of pain and crying for help and poor me, save me, but then you give them direction and they just go act like they don't care. And so I can find myself being unempathetic and then acting toward them in ways that are more like a drill sergeant and saying, pull your head out of your fourth point of contact, dumb shit, no wonder you're in pain, you don't pay attention to what you're doing. And that's okay when you're working with rugby players, right. um, but it's not, good when you're working with a rugby player's mother um, or a 13-year-old kid that's addicted to a drug and has a history of uh, physical, emotional, mental, or sexual abuse. So there's just one example where in me there's a dragon that lives, and that's the dragon that I had to create to survive the environment that I was raised in, which made me a great athlete, made me a great fighter, but can make me pretty hard to deal with if you aren't participating at the level that I think you should be participating relative to what you're trying to accomplish or need to accomplish. That's one of a hundred examples I could give you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, w human beings are very complicated and we're, <laughs> no, <laughs> and there's many, many layers to the human being. And, um, you know, I have two wives, so I, I have two, woman uh, how to handle a woman coaches and uh they're accelerating my spiritual growth every day because that same behavior i just talked about with you doesn't go over well with most women and mm -hmm. they because they need empathetic connection and they don't want to be fixed they just want to be connected to heard and supported in ways that are often more unrational than rational and so for a highly logical rational practical guy like me uh, who's in the fix-it business. It takes a lot to just allow a person to go through their process and not try to offer solutions, but just to be empathetic and compassionate. And so my own pain and my own life experience and my own challenges as a teacher and as a therapist and seeing where I did do well with clients and where I could have done better has made me more aware 
of of where I can keep growing. So you know the 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 answer to your question is 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 such that there's many many areas because in almost any area you could ask me about, I still have room for growth, mm. and that's really the mainstay of my practice is is being conscious of the feedback that I'm getting from the environment and then trying to do the very tricky job of, okay, well, when is it me pushing someone too hard or is it their own programming resisting uh, the voice of wisdom or, um, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there, it's a very tricky dynamic because paradoxically you cannot really divide there is no line between me and Aaron as to where Aaron ends and Paul begins because when in a relationship there is a third being created this is why Jesus said <laughs> when any two get together in my name I will be there it means whenever two people get together as an act of love love itself is present but there's a third being created right at this second the Holy Spirit Father Son and the Holy Spirit well it's not necessarily the Holy Spirit that's another dimension but it's related to that, but I'm not speaking in that particular term. I'm saying that there's a third being right here, right now, that's half Aaron and half Paul. Mm. And it's alive between us. And it's not you or me, it's both of us. Mm. And whenever we're in that relationship, we're affecting each other. There's things that you might say, do, or ways of living, ways of relating, ways, ways of exercising, uh, ways of, of uh, generating humor that... I could easily take on through transference and not even be conscious that all of a sudden I'm telling Aaron's jokes and laughing and my friends laughing, but it's really Aaron now living inside of me. Hmm. And there's ways of, you know, relating that you might take on or ways of anything from lifting weights to whatever that you think is now you, but you don't realize it's a piece of me alive in you and a piece of you alive in me. And all human beings are really made of all other human beings. But when we're in a therapeutic relationship, that dividing line as to who's doing what to who gets fuzzy because you can't really distinguish where is the end of Paul and the beginning of Aaron and vice versa. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> hmm. I had a, I was going to make a silly joke about that, but now it, it all of a sudden felt inappropriate. So I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, you're leading the interview the, <laughs> the idea man I want to keep picking at that but then also the idea of Christianity and religion and and like the the, the maybe like the mythological relevance of yep. those mm -hmm. as, as opposed to being taken literal yes so, so I so when you're saying that I'm like father son the holy spirit like I, I see it but you feel like that's not that's maybe what is that compared well, to what you're saying well, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Trinity, which is in all religions, Brahma, Shiva, Krishna. There's the Hindu Trinity. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, it, it really just means Brahma or Father means potential, unconditional love, or the zero-point field in quantum physics. Um, son means that which is manifest in form or that which is, is um, a collapse of the wave function, right? Here's the house. Here's your body. Those are ripples on the sea, and the Holy Ghost is the spirit that's moving it all, that's animating it all. And that's what's making you, you, and making you breathe, and making me talk and be here with you. So that's the basically the requisite state 
for consciousness to exist because consciousness cannot be conscious of something that's not moving. If we had no bodies, there would be no sun. And if we had no Holy Spirit, there would be no movement. Just like you've got cameras filming us, there would be the sun and the electricity going through them would be the Holy Ghost. When you look at the camera, you don't see the electricity. When I look at you, unless I use my clairvoyance, I don't see the chi flowing through your body, but you're animated. And as Osho says, you can cut open the dancer, but you will not find the dance. The dancer is the son in the Trinity. The dance is the Holy Spirit. And the father, or Brahma, is the source of the flow of potential. It is what's actually experiencing itself as you and I. Mm. The other thing I wanted to I wanted to pick at was one of the words that you mentioned that, that, that stood out for me was, um, was expectation. Yeah. And... So many of us, I think we kind of live each day, whether we realize it or not, just in this, this perpetual state of meeting some expectation, mm-hmm. you know, so and some of the times the people that achieve the most have the most accolades and that all, all that, like, it's like, they've just been on this treadmill trying to meet these expectations and getting to the point of coming to the other side of that mm-hmm. and just being just free of it, like the shackles of that shit. It's not all shit. Well, sh- yeah, it's not. It's not all shit. That's that's not the right way to say it. But coming to that point of like being at peace with ourselves, I think is is, I'm I don't get it. <laughs> well, I can I can just share my perspective. Yeah. You know, I've been doing this work for 32 years professionally, and I've coached a lot of the best athletes and movie stars and all sorts of people through a lot of life problems and serious injuries and diseases and life crisis situations, but. You see, if you ask yourself what is the most fundamental experience that a human being needs to feel connected and to feel whole or safe in the world, what would it be? Mm, Love might be an, an answer. That is the answer. Yeah. Right? That's what we all need. And this is why parental programming is so important. Because in the first 7 to 12 years of a child's life, its whole sense of, of survival and its whole sense of self, its whole sense of connection is driven by its parental and family environment. Yeah. And to the degree that that family environment does not create a sense of deep connection, wholeness, safety, security, and the ability to share feelings wants and desires. For example, my stepfather did not like it when I asked him questions, and I'm a guy that asks a lot of questions. His answer was just shut the fuck up and get the job done. Hmm. Um, Or you've got two ears and one mouth, listen twice as much as you talk. Um, And that's not a very connecting experience for a child. It's a disconnecting experience, and my father was never one to tell you that you did a good job. It was just he would announce what the next job was. So that leaves a person who is unable to feel a sense of accomplishment or a sense of joy because daddy's happy and therefore I can be happy and because as long as daddy's happy I'm safe but when daddy's not happy I'm not safe and when I'm not safe it means I'm not feeling love I'm feeling some kind of a threat Hmm. Um, so if you look at 
Basil Vandelklok's work, for example, I think his book's called Your Body Never Lies. I've got it here in my library. It's yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, but the statistics of sexual, physical, emotional, and mental abuse in, in children in worldwide is wickedly high. It's scary high. Hmm. And, you know, we have the highest rates of suicide in the history of human beings and children right now. We have the highest rates of suicide in all age categories, practically. Um, we have uh, very high rates of suicide due to scholastic pressure, especially uh, the two highest rates of suicide for teenagers in J is Japan and New Zealand, both of which have the highest standards in high school. So there's tremendous peer pressure and their sense of self-worth and identity is based on their um, academic achievements. But people, for example, don't look at the fact that 98% of all information imparted in educational systems comes by way of mathematical, logical learning style, which is only 8% of human beings that learn well that way. Hmm. The most dominant is visual. Second most dominant is auditory. Third most dominant is kinesthetic. So you get a guy who's very athletic and learns kinesthetically, but has a hard time understanding social studies and his parents can really, really put high pressure on him or her when really they're designed to be a dancer or a drummer in a band, but the parents want them to get some white-collar degree to make the family proud and blah, blah, blah. So what happens is that we each develop a way of relating and expressing ourselves that increases the likelihood of us feeling a sense of connection, love, and it adds a sense of meaning. When I was a child, I loved sports because I had all this pent-up emotion. And so in boxing, in football, in hockey, I could knock the piss out of people and it was legal. It's like a Mike Tyson. Yes, and so what happened is I got a lot of accolades. My brother didn't like sports. So he got into a lot of street fights and got heavy into drugs. By the time he was in the seventh grade, he was already having drug problems and he, and he was a drug addict my whole life and then became a member of the Hells Angels and then killed himself. <laughs> but you see, the point that I'm making is the movie stars, the Michael Jacksons, the Elvis Presleys, the great athletes, they're all at the core of it doing the things that the child mind is being nourished by because they get the responses from the world that give them a sense of love, connection, and meaning, so it closes the love circuit. As long as I'm hitting home runs, people love me. Yep. But what happens is when they stop hitting home runs and all of a sudden they're not being loved, they're being criticized, it brings a crisis on, and that's the kind of, a lot of the kind of work that I end up having to do because a lot of them aren't equipped for failure because they've been so successful, all of a sudden now they're dealing with failure and they're dealing with this tremendous sense of disconnection and it's so overwhelming they don't know how to handle it and that often is the reason for drug abuse right there. Yeah, it's like repairing the, the wound with bubble gum as opposed yes. to actually taking it to a proper mechanic. Which, by the way, goes hand in hand with the uh, problems we're having worldwide right now with people abusing uh, shamanic sacraments or psychedelic medicines hmm. because the grand majority of people that are seeking the magical healing in the jungle are trying to heal things that cannot be healed by the medicine. They can only be exposed by the medicine. The medicine right. can, can open a window for you or a door, 
but you have to walk through it. And when people realize how deeply ingrained the programming is and how it requires, and this is what spirituality is, it's the legitimate commitment to consciously observing how you think, feel, behave, and interact with people in the world with the intention of removing barriers so that you can find a place inside of you where you can feel love and connection to even people that scare you like a Donald Trump or an Adolf Hitler or a, a Charlie Manson or the pedophile or the people that part of us wants to exterminate. Yeah. But the spiritual path is one in which you have an opportunity to recognize that that same darkness is hiding inside of you. And if you were put in the same situation as that person was through their own life experiences, you know, for example, if you look at the psychological research on murderers and, and people in prisons, a very, very high, like 99, 97 to 99% of them were raised in abusive family settings. So there are people that uh, resort to fulfilling their need for connection in, in the ways that they um, find that circumstances brought them to, but often don't find a way home till they're in prison and then they're taking some kind of counseling in prison or, you know, like you mentioned, Mike Tyson, once he lost custom auto, well, we saw what happened, yeah. right? He lost, he lost his therapist. He lost his anchor in the world. So he became a big kite with no tail and crashed. Yeah. And that's as common as white bread out there. That's really, you know, the, the, the earth is really a kindergarten for souls where we learn to progressively figure out the truth of ourselves. And spirit traps us in a material body so we can't do too much damage too quick. To take over the world like Hitler tried to do requires, you know, a, a million people and a lot of money and a lot of power and gives everybody else a chance to respond to keep the playing field more equal. But as a medicine man and spirit guide and someone who's been studying and practicing shamanism for many, many years and many other techniques, I can tell you, and I'm also a remote viewer, you know, when you're moving in spirit body, in your astral body, you transform as quick as you think. You create in the astral realms and in the realm of the noosphere, the sphere of mind, as quickly as you think. So, you know, you can easily prove this to, with somebody. All I've got to do is do a, a muscle test on you, like a deltoid test, get a baseline, and say, okay, now I want you to think the thought, I'm a weakling, but resist me as hard as you can. And you will not be able to even come close to the level of resistance you had when you had no thought in your head. But then if I say, now I want you to think that you're Eugene Sandow, the strongest man in the world, well, I can even use a gauge and measure you will get stronger than your baseline. Right. And your mind will affect your body instantly. And this is why so many spiritual systems teach you to die before you die because once you lose <laughs> your physical body you're left in a light body and it moves at the speed of light steiner says when you die one of the first things that's likely to happen is you will find yourself bouncing around the universe at the speed of light until you realize that you're responding to your own thoughts and if you have not learned to manage your mind you will go through a very turbulent 
experience and spiritual practice is to grow. Steiner teaches that for each physical organ, there's a subtle energy organ. So in our spirit body, we have a liver, a kidney, a brain, and each of those subtle organs handles the same functions, but at a higher level of vibration. But we have to grow and develop them. So if you don't use your intuition, you won't develop the, shall we call it, the organs of intuition. If you don't use instincts, you won't develop the organs of instinct. If you don't learn to love here on the human plane, you won't know how to love any better. In other words, you can't experience more heaven in the afterlife than you can create here hmm. because you wouldn't even know what to do with it. And if you did, you'd probably very guilt be, feel very guilty for being there because your unconscious shadow elements would be going, I don't deserve this. I murdered somebody or I abused people. So you'd be into uh, you know, another crisis of self. So spiritual development really is, is practicing in life the things that we um, realize are important whether you're in this dimension or any other dimension, because it's how consciousness relates to itself. Is there any, we have to wrap up because you got chicken to eat and you got oh, things to do. And okay. yeah, <laughs> I don't know what time it is. We should probably look and say, Oh God, my timing, my circadian rhythms or whatever you call it. 20 to three. 50. Oh, you have a, you should have told me there's a clock right there. I just did. <laughs> good point. <laughs> um, so, uh, but that was good to 57 minutes in. That's good. Um, patting myself on the back, creating more external validation, doing exactly what I'm about to ask you about. Okay. Um, how, if you had to break down concise action steps to get the light, the love to penetrate the wound, you mentioned kind of a, a roomy quote, the, the wounds, open wounds allow the light to, to enter. You know, so how do we get that sensation of being held and being loved and not needing to show up like a dog with a bone, you know, and meet the expectations and external validations. How do we actually get that light to penetrate so we feel anchored and supported and held in this world? Well, in my system, which is based on four key steps, one, uh, w one love, what do you love to do enough to grow yourself for and to accomplish? A labor of love is sustainable. Anything else is usually more pain and just makes you more bitter. So whenever I do healing work with anybody, I work with them to identify what is it that you're really here because that you want to heal so you can do it, whether it be play with your grandkids, uh, win the Olympics, uh, build a business. What is it that is inspiring you? And that would be an archetypal correlation. So this is what I call a working archetype. So if your goal is to be the best therapist you can be, then your overarching archetype is the caregiver archetype. If it's to be a, a successful businessman, it's the, it's the archetype of the businessman. If it's an entrepreneur, it's the archetype of the entrepreneur. If it's a storyteller, it's the archetype of the storyteller, etc. So the archetypes draw us towards fulfillment. So without a long discussion of archetypes, because I know you don't want to make this last too long. So the first step... Oh, I'm, I'm okay with it. I just, okay. I'm being sensitive to your time. That's, all, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So one, what do you love enough to change for? What do you love enough to do the work to become? Because like I said, if you don't have love, then labor is labor without love. And it's usually unsustainable. It usually produces health challenges because people need a break from the stress of doing things they don't love which is why we have so much drug use 
and why we have so many problems abusing insurance companies because people need in our culture to get an illness or a disease to get a break from doing the job they hate doing but think they have to do to make money to pay their bills. Two in my system is where are you out of balance? So the core imbalances are either deficiency in yin, a deficiency in yang, or an excess in yin or yang. Most of our culture is excess yang and very yin deficient. It's all fire, 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 and we don't respect rest and we don't respect the inner world. Uh, you know, the east is more inner and less driven on the outer, but you see the polarities are switching now. The east is starting to act like the west and the west is starting to take on the east, and that is a transition that happens every few thousand years, and that's been tracked. Steiner talked about that as well. He even said all the way back in about 1900 that India would ne become the next superpower, and the Western world, especially the United States, would become the next poverty-stricken land. Mm. He said so many people would end up without their riches, their physical belongings, and their pacifiers in the West that mo many of them will commit suicide because they can't see a reason to live without their status and their, you know, yeah. their, their blankies, their little thumb-sucking. There's a Bible quote about that as well. There probably servants, is. Servants, servants, I don't know what it is, but the servants meek, rising up. The meek shall inherit the earth. Yeah, that's the one. Um, Thanks. Um, <laughs> so... So when, when I analyze or when my ther uh, students, which are doctors and therapists of all types, it's a multidisciplinary system, we're looking for uh, imbalances between the two forces of yin, inner, rest, regeneration, yang, outer, expression of self, uh, projecting your energy into the world. Three is what are the choices that you're willing to make to heal, to grow, and to become? And there's only three choices that you can make in relation to any person, place, or thing. The optimal choice, which is best for you and everybody involved on your dream team, which are all the people that you're involved with to create whatever your dream is. Yeah. The suboptimal choice, which usually is based on instant gratification, but almost always causes some kind of a challenge on your dream team or for yourself. And then the third choice has two options. Apathy, to not care, is the worst choice you can make or to do nothing because you need to gather more information, which I call a timeout. So if I'm trying to sell you a new something, but something inside you says, I don't know if I should spend this money yet, or I don't even know if I should trust this guy, maybe I should go shop the market before I make a decision, you would call a timeout and say, well, the salesman, look, I, I really appreciate everything you've shared, I got the literature you gave me, I'm gonna go do my own research, and if I still wanna buy this, I'll come back. That would be calling a timeout. So the three choices are optimal, suboptimal, and do nothing. Do nothing negative, apathy, I don't care, you're in deep trouble. That's the worst place for anyone to get. And then I need more information is positive. I need more, or timeout means if you're feeling like you're disconnecting somebody like a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, that are starting to get hot with each other and it's causing them to say things and act in ways that decreases connection in the relationship, in my system, you call a timeout and you say, I'm having a hard time staying connected to you right now. I need to disengage until I can come back and contribute meaningfully and, and stay connected to my heart and you walk away. The four is the four doctors. So once we identify what your dream is and where you're out of balance and we show you that you have these choices that you can make in relationship to any person, place or thing, then we identify what you need to be aware of with regard to happy making, Dr. Happiness, that's the function of the mind. Then we look at what you need to do with regard to movement, and that's physical movement, emotional and mental movement. How do you use each of those levels, dream affirmatively, 
Then we look at doctor diet. What is the optimal way for you to feed yourself based on your unique individuality? So we look at things like genetics. We look at uh, physical symptoms of the body, such as rashes, digestive trouble, uh, looking at the bowel movement, looking at the urine, looking at fingernails, hair, skin, uh, whatever symptoms they're being given that are indicating some kind of an imbalance so they can learn to monitor those skillfully. And then I teach people how to connect to their soul so they get guidance from the inner self, the, the, uh, you know, the, the higher self is what we're really after. Yeah. Um, and then we have Dr. Quiet, which is all about the science of rest uh, in my system, there's active rest, passive rest, and total rest, which is sleep. And, and then Dr. Quiet is the functional antagonist of Dr. Movement. So where Dr. Movement is outwardly oriented expression, Dr. Quiet represents introspection and reflection and meditative practices, which I call work-in technologies. So yeah. we have work-out and in my system, we have work in to counterbalance it. And this is where our culture is completely lost. They're yeah. all out, out, out. And this is why you see massive consumption of stimulants and steroids and all that stuff. Because their uh, sense of identity is based on what they can see in the mirror and what they get uh, rewarded for or positive accolades for. But often it comes at the expense of of finding out who they really are and learning how to love themselves and take responsibility for um, becoming the source of their own love and connection, which is, it, it takes a fair bit of time. And that kind of correlates to your question is, how do we get to that place? Well, usually we get to that place one of two ways, either by having parents and teachers or mentors that teach us how to do that, or we work through our pain and realize that nobody can do it for us. They can only guide us to the work and that we ultimately have to uh, consciously enter the spiritual path and learn to um, love ourselves enough and care for ourselves adequately enough that we feel safe and secure whether or not we're approved of by social opinion or others, even our parents are not, right. and have the management skills to know when to say no your buddies might want you to go out drinking, but your inner voice says you're too tired <laughs> and you got a therapy appointment with seven people tomorrow <laughs> and you better go to bed or you're going to show up and, and uh, give people $50 an hour of service when they're paying you 150 and that's unethical. So you uh, become an adult. And in my system, an adult is someone who takes responsibility for what they create moment to moment. And that's what I also say a spiritual person is someone who accepts responsibility for their creative abilities and acknowledges when they can do better next time and without beating themselves up, but at the same time being honest, moves forward to try to um, go to one higher stage of metamorphosis and the next opportunity in relationship to persons, places, and things. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Let's wrap this thing up. Where do people find your, the checkinstitute.com is the spot. Yeah, chekinstitute.com. Um, my blog is www.paulchekesblog.com. My YouTube channel is youtube.com forward slash paulchecklive, P-A-U-L-C-H-E-K, live, all stuck together. And there's over 500 videos I've put out for the public. That's my public service. 
I put a new video out each week and it goes into all the things we're talking about and much yeah. more. Um, and some of them are long and deep. Um, I'm not a fast food educator. I, I try to stay away from that. Um, and the Czech Institute has a blog as well. And uh, if you sign up to be on our mailing list, um, Penny will probably have uh, an offer for you for all your listeners. Cool. So set it up. I'll mention in the intro. Yeah, you can share that. And uh, uh, so between the resources I've just given, there is a lot of information that I share and have put out there for free. And then people can also look into my programs. I have mountains of DVDs, audios, eBooks, uh, correspondence courses, online courses. Uh, you know, I've been at this a very long time, so there's quite a lot there. Thanks for mixing ingredients with me, man. Really, my pleasure. Really appreciate it. Let's uh, let's go smoke a bag. Let's go smoke a bag stop and talking about all this scary stuff. <laughs> so deep. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I, I I appreciate appreciate the time. <laughs> Look forward to uh, continuing continuing the journey. Sure. See how that goes. Anytime. Bam! Yeah, recording over. Align Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Some ways that you can support this podcast, one of which you can pick up an Align Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band, comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case, and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours. Really great stuff. You can be found at aligntherapy.com and also on amazon.com. Thank you also so much for or utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right-hand sidebar of the podcast page. Bookmark that thing. Anytime you purchase some crap on Amazon, purchase that crap. Through that link, we get a percentage of it. Costs you nothing. And I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Pow.